Welcome back to the Loud Women Podcast. My name's Marissa. I'm here with my good friend, Tookie. We are here to break down Shrill Season 3, Episode 5. Tookie, I'm so excited to talk to you about this episode. Oh. This is a big one. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Two bits of housekeeping. Two mm. two bits of housekeeping. Okay. Number one. Gabri. 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 Yeah. Or Gabri. Yes. Gabri. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um. Gabriel gets a pass for the Shea Moisture. Cause, oh, you got to add the context. You oh, yeah. Because, like, email us feedback. You know, we're we're here. We're out here. We answer the emails and such. And we love we love hearing from you, our listeners. Thank you for tolerating, especially me. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening in. Like, we really appreciate you. Um, and the, the little community we've built up with people who also love this show. And shout out to Gabri, um, who emailed... And and Gabriel, you get a pass for using Shea Moisture because I put it out there before that um, uh, certain segments of the population kind of got to leave it alone. But you know your curl type, so like from a three C slash four A, shout out to you for knowing your curl type. <laughs> you get a pass. She gets a pass. You get a pass for Shea Moisture. Everybody else is on notice. Sorry, just good morning to Gabriel and Gabriel only. No, that feels like a fair. That feels like a fair rule. Yeah. So yeah, shoot us, shoot us an email. It's always fun to see folks who I recognize. Like I, I run the the Instagram account, so it's always fun to see people who are always like in our DMs and stuff on Instagram. And then y- y'all pop pop back up when it's shrill season again, and it's just it's nice. It's a nice little community, and I appreciate everybody sharing. We get some really vulnerable emails sometimes sharing stuff, yeah. and we talk about kind of vulnerable stuff on here. So feel like we're all buds. So yeah, thanks to Gabriel and everybody else. If you want to shoot us an email, uh, you can get us at loudwomanpod at gmail.com. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, Gabriel gave us some good thoughts about, you know, the doctor, the stuff we talked about in episode one with the doctor's visits and gynecologists and, and all the, and these people feel just like entitled to talk to us. You know, a lot of these things really are that we felt would resonate with folks really are landing. And there's just something about the way that the writers write this show. They, they, speak to an experience that we don't see very often represented. So I think it makes us all feel stuff. Heck so yeah. thanks for uh, being on this ride with us. Yeah. I seriously, thank you. And Oh, how bit of housekeeping number two, I think this episode may confirm that the character, I feel like it's like the artist formerly known as Prince, but the character formerly cast or known as Emily is M now. So I think it is official that they're non-binary on the so show. So I actually did have a, made a point to talk about that later in the episode. So, uh, you fight master is so nice on Instagram replies to, we've chatted a couple of times, <gasps> um, on IG. Oh. Um, so I did confirm cause after I watched this episode, I watched it last week, right after we recorded the last episode and I was like, oh shit, I just recorded tonight. And I was like going on this whole spiel about pronouns and I confirmed incorrect they them we up and I, I i let them know i was like we we did not get it right but we're gonna we're, we're gonna correct it moving forward so you're correct we are moving to m and so uh they said that uh, that emily is still okay but um good catch all right so let's get into this uh the shit of it let's get into the shit of it uh so we start out we see annie she's Awoken to a flood of emails about the most recent article she wrote. This was the article we were talking about last episode when she went out to the ranch. Um, This article was published with the title, quote, Separate but Charming, A Day in the Life of Your Friendly Neighborhood Racists. Um, Pause, though. Is that like, Gabe, Gabe, real quick. Is that like supposed to be a play on separate but equal? Because also double fuck you for that. Yeah, I think it was, I think that was supposed to be the joke. Ugh! Ugh! Yeah, so... Thurgood Marshall is rolling in his crypt right now. I'm upset. I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay. 
It's real rough. So so this is, we kick off, she's getting a flood of emails. Things have already gone poorly. We can tell this is not going over well. I also am concerned. I'm like, Annie, we've seen this before when your last article blew up. Turn off your email notifications, honey. You don't need to see every comment. That's not healthy. Let's work on boundaries. But so we can get from the beginning, okay, things are, things are not okay. So she meets up with Amadi for coffee. They're waiting in line. Uh, we find out that they that Gabe updated the title of the piece after Amadi and Annie left. Um, Annie it says, you know, she's she's looking for validation right out the right off the bat from Amadi saying, "Well, I think I called them out on their shit." And he, you can tell, kind of recoils a little bit, and he's like, "Hey, I said from the get go that this was not a good idea, and I appreciated that." He was not pandering to her and making her feel better. I I love the fact that in the coffee shop scene, Amadi is sort of like an unwitting black savior. (laughs) It's like a reversal (laughs) of roles. (laughs) That's so true. Like, they were about ready to throw Annie on the sidewalk. And he was kind of like, no, it's okay. She's with me. That man deserves so much more. I'm just saying. Oh, my goodness. Ugh. What is it? Flowers for Amadi, you know, just, 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 just give this man his flowers. He's been through it. God bless him. God bless him. So we, we get a little context here. We, you know, we, we find out the paper has already lost a couple of advertisers after the backlash and, uh, the barista hates Annie too. So everybody in town hates Annie. We got to quick, quickly understand the scope of this issue. This is clearly absolutely blown up overnight. So, Shifting back home, and we'll we'll talk about the article a little bit more in a second, but we'll quickly get through some exposition. So, but that said, I don't want to I don't want to gloss over this amazing Fran and M storyline because it was a kind of a beautiful episode. So they're hanging out. M finds photos from Fran's cousin's wedding, and M has a lot of questions about Fran's family and background. I as um as an ethnic. I was, <laughs> I was um, not surprised, I would say, but just like uh, it, it felt uncomfortably familiar to hear, even though I'm not Nigerian, it felt uncomfortably familiar to hear the sentence. I knew you were Nigerian, but I didn't know you were Nigerian. Like, you know, so... <laughs> So that, that's one of the, um, I wouldn't call it a minefield, but it, it, it's one of those um, uh, briar patches, if you will, that you might have to navigate as an interracial couple. Yeah, for sure. I think this is, you know, we kind of see this interesting juxtaposition between Em and Annie throughout this episode where they're both, they both kind of had some missteps, but on much different scales, right? So you've got Em over here who's operating from a place of love, but still ignorance in some ways, and still like kind of tripping over themselves and saying some things that are really shitty and calling themselves out in real time. Like they, as it was happening, I appreciated that M was like, that was a stupid question, wasn't it? You know, there was some self-awareness. And then you've got Annie on the other side, who until it was explicitly laid out to her exactly what she did wrong, could not understand her own ignorance and couldn't get out of her own way. Yes. And I'm not sure that it's, you know, I don't know who specifically wrote this portion of the dialogue. I'm glad that when Fran was visibly uncomfortable, that M dropped it because... I've been in situations where people kind of press a little bit where it's like, no, but like, where, where are you from, from, um, bitch, Massachusetts, (laughs) (laughs) but, but you know what I mean? So, and the only thing that made me like, Ooh, Ooh, this is a white person's perspective where maybe they, they didn't, they don't know to use a little bit more, um, uh, gentler language rather than you're being weird about it. It's not that Fran was being weird about it. It's that she's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It, being weird about it is like, oh, I don't want to show you more photos. It, being uncomfortable is like, you know, clamming up and stuff. It's not, it's not weird. Um, you know, it's a very human reaction. But of course, I think M catches themselves. Mm-hmm. on maybe that language too. I, I can't necessarily say I didn't cause, cause I was so kind of like brought back into my own memories of being put in that position that I didn't have enough, um, bandwidth to fully analyze 
uh, every every word being said and it, but um but i i appreciated the fact that like that's how you're supposed to operate as an ally and partner if you are in an interracial relationship where your partner happens to be a minority it's like if they're uncomfortable delving it, you know you shouldn't press them you shouldn't you should allow them to open up to you about their background rather than being like you know uh, okay, tell me about your hats. Uh, t- <laughs> tell the me. hats line was not great. <laughs> that was rough. Like... I, I think that's really, that, you know, I think it's interesting what they did with this arc because there was two, there was almost these two separate things happening. And the first is this very obvious, like, racial, like, M tripping over themselves trying to trying to connect but doing it clumsily yeah. and in, a, in kind of an insensitive way a lately insensitive way. i don't know you could probably categorize that, characterize that better than i could but what feels like well-intentioned but kind of crappy still um there's that piece of it yeah and then there's separately the piece of fran resisting opening up just more broadly and that also coming up a little later in the episode of it's about it's about this this interracial dynamic mm-hmm. it's this added layer of of you know Fran not wanting to be more open, and I just again I like how that they're able to tackle like a lot of things through really short scenes in this show, and there's a lot of subtext. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, the the thing that makes me not side eye M completely in this situation is that they um, obviously love Fran, so they're coming from a place of love where. As when I've been put in that position prior to this guy that lives in my house who I love or whatever, um, whenever I've had to deal with something like that, it's been like, uh, it's been like from a place of, I don't know, fetishization, kind of exotifying my backgrounds. It's like, uh, tell me about the ganja. Tell me about the voodoo. And I'm like, dude, 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 (laughs) my dude. It definitely felt like it was approaching that for sure. It, um, yeah, it could have gone very, it could have gone very left. And I think M did a really great job of like not allowing that where M is like, you know, hey, this looks cool rather than like, ooh, this is exotic, you know? And there's a, yeah, there's a big difference there in that language. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, in the same vein, we will follow Friend of the Salon. Uh, where she confides in Ricochet about this, the salon manager, about this dynamic with M. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. Fran is always, the way they've written Fran is, is <laughs> she articulates things really simply in a way that's like really easy to understand. And she was just talking about how she often feels on display mm. in a relationship. Uh, and how Ricochet said, you know, we're like exotic birds to that, you know, and it, I think they, they articulated what you're, you're saying here is it's this fetishizing, mm-hmm. it's this looking at rather than like trying to connect in a sincere way. So Ricochet, Ricochet's suggestion is that Fran shares a piece of her culture with M. Um, and I think that's where the sort of the food piece comes in. Mm. And, uh, at the end of the scene, this is where Fran finds out about Annie's article. So, what any any thoughts on that interaction at the salon um, and sort of that dynamic between the two of them? Yeah, I you know I appreciated um, Ricochet's kind of. Michigan is absolutely where Caucasia is, by the way. Like that that is the capital of Caucasia in my mind. Michigan, yeah, that's what that's. It called. just sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> totally sounds right. Um, no, but I appreciated that dialogue a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and again, like I, I I don't think M comes from that place. M never struck me as, um, as having this attitude towards Fran of like something to, Ooh, that's that Ooh, choice, word choice, word choice. Uh, not, not conquer, but just kind of like something to, um, observe and objectify. Like, uh, Fran is not a something to M. Fran is a someone to Anne. I think that's always kind of, that's what I've always read about their dynamic. So I, you know, I, 
I understood at least that um, M wasn't coming from a place of like, you know, from my own personal experience of I've never been with a black girl before. I've never been with anyone with an IQ below 100. But here we okay, that's ableist. But (laughs) but like, you know what I mean? It's stupid. Don't don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Right. And M is clearly um, not uh, naive and uneducated in some aspects of this, but definitely not stupid or uncaring in how they approach talking to Fran about who more like beat Fran beyond just the surface of Fran. I think, you know, as you're saying this, I'm listening and I think it's a, it's making me realize that I think this is a good demonstration for white people who care or have love in a romantic way or otherwise for somebody in the black community and how you're going to say stupid things sometimes and you're going to say something that comes off insensitive you're going to say something that's kind of shitty and like correct yourself if you catch it if they catch it accept it Mm -hmm. and and just keep acting with love and it you know there's so so many people are like well i don't want to say the wrong thing i don't if you're coming from a place of love and accepting when you're wrong and apologizing and owning it and trying to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's good to see that modeled on TV, that it doesn't always have to be, oh, you said something that was kind of racist and now like we're fighting. It can, we can show the humanity and how we can kind of move past it. I don't know. Is that, sh- is that? No, no, no. I think shitty. No, <laughs> I, I think too, um, you know, what's, what's changed about this day and age is that the burden of proof is kind of on white people at this point where you have to prove to someone that you see them as a someone and that they can trust you and that, you know, you have to build this relationship first before you start to, because you know the story, I've told it on stage before about how like I have a boss, I I had a boss years ago who like, who hated my face because he couldn't figure me out and and he was just like, oh, who made you? Because, because you're, you're, you're black, but you're not like black, black, who made you? Um, (laughs) Right. As long as you don't do that. As long as you don't do that, as long as you have built a trust first and, you know, it's, a, it's about seeing us as human beings, just giving us the grace to be seen as people first and foremost, especially because, you know, the black experience is not a monolith. Like I have absolutely nothing in common with someone like Fran because, you know, the African diaspora is a large one. And even though, you know, we, we share a black experience to a certain degree, she's still British and she comes from a Nigerian background. It's just different. It's just a little bit different. Um, so, you know, in terms of, again, from personal experience, there's a matter of like trust that has to be established where it's like this person sees me as a person, also sees me as a person first. And then they can ask like, Hey, so what else is about your background? Right. And so I think that's really interesting then moving back into the Annie storyline here. And then we see Fran and Emily at home in the kitchen. And Fran is very, very direct with Annie. And she says, you know, you gave these people a platform. Why do these people need to be written about at all? Like you wrote a feature article about them. Annie's making excuses left and right. And Fran is not having any of it, understandably, because they're not valid excuses and the fact that she had all day to sit with this and she had all day to like read commentary and like try to understand what she did wrong she's still coming home and putting that on her roommate and trying to get her roommate to comfort her and that felt shitty Ooh, i would love to say that i oh thank goodness for this scene shout out to whoever wrote it because i think it directly spits in the face of a lot of critiques that i've read of shrill online in passing here and there Especially one particular critique where they're like, oh, Fran's just another sassy black friend. And I'm like, have you watched the show? Because she's definitely not. She's definitely not. Like, she, you know, they're like, oh, just another black woman in service. You know, she's always somehow in service to Annie and there to build Annie up. I don't think it's in, you know, anytime she has built Annie up, it's been as like, a friend and not just in a tropey way. And she's not there in service to Annie 24 seven. And you see in this scene in particular spits right in the face of that critique where she's like, uh, no, you got yourself canceled. Baby's first cancellation, but like you got yourself <laughs> canceled. You're going to have to deal with this. You should have, you should have seen, you should have figured out the optics. And I, 
and the mm, the gut punch that I felt. Not so maybe gut. I don't know language, but the the feels the feels that I felt when she's like, "Do you know what would have happened if I went to that ranch?" I was like, "Boom! There it is." I I also made note of that line, and I think that's something that like as a person I'm like that I need to internalize that and think about that often when you're in situations like this as a white person you don't get to decide what's right or wrong like it's not my place to say well I, I'm rationalizing writing the story about them because of x y and z I, I don't get to make that decision like that's you know we'll, we'll get to the Amadi and get sort of back to the Amadi stuff later but I think that is like a guiding principle a lot of us need to have as part of our decision making and our thinking around these things is like what would it be like in this position you know the, not to go off on a rant about the bachelor but i'll just take if uh, indulge me for a yeah, moment yes for those of you who have followed along in the news of everything that happened with matt james this season and the woman who won rachel who went to this plantation party and then chris harrison the host went on television and defended her and it it was this huge explosive situation and he had that chris harrison had an interview with rachel Lindsay, who is a former bachelorette who's also black and she was pressing him and and i and i remember her saying this as well she said chris if i was at a plantation party what would i be playing like what would i dress up as and i was like how that man continued that interview with her after she asked him that question Mm. and kept doubling down all that to say i just think that it's very very easy as a white person to kind of you know, put a Disney spin on things. Um, and, and you just asking that question of yourself when you're in a situation like that, or you're faced with a, that kind of situation, um, I think is a kind of a good, a good rule of thumb. Anyway, that's my, I, that, that line really stuck with me and I was like, yep, I think we would all do a lot better if we thought that more often. I mean, just, you know, who, who, who's homegirl who, who won the bachelorette this season? Oh, Rachel Kirkconnell. Rachel, listen, Rachel Kirkconnell. Caucasian and Chris Harrison just say y'all love to watch down home with Paula Dean. like just <laughs> just you know just spare us <laughs> at this point spare us just just spare us such such rough rough go but I say all that that all that exposition to say that I think that you know when Rachel Lindsay brought that up I was like shit that is really fucking real and Yeah, that just knocks everything, every other argument down. Um, And the last note I had on the scene was just, I like that when Fran left the room, she said, I can't, I can't help you through this. This is your problem. And I thought that was a, that was her protecting her own energy. That was protecting her space. Mm. Uh, That was like, she can't be that person. She cannot be that person that Annie goes to to work through this, especially when Annie was still so rooted in denial that she did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I was like, good for you, friend. You are her best friend, but you have to draw some boundaries. This is not your job. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think, um, I think 2021 is going to be the year when, uh, more white people have moments like this when you realize what, uh, movie Splash Mountain is based on. You know, like you, <laughs> like you have to have that come to Jesus moment. You got to have that realization that like, you know, a lot of the, the structural elements of whiteness, not white, you know, not white people as individuals, but like the whole system of whiteness is now uh, up for scrutiny. It's being challenged and you, you know, people have to deal with that. So, and, and again, I, I love the fact that in spite of a lot of people's criticisms who maybe just didn't give the show a chance, like, did you watch the show? A black friend can exist as a black friend, period, but definitely not in service to a white person, the white protagonist, you know? Fran is a dual protagonist in her own right. Maybe her story arc, her storylines are a little shorter, but she's definitely her own person in this show. They've given her a very, in every season, she has been the close number two with, like, a full roster of storylines. Like, she has, like, very complex, interesting background life. And it is interesting because I remember even, I remember when you and I started recording about the show before we even saw it, I remember you voicing that sort of as a concern from day one and being like, you know, I really hope, Uh you know, looking at the cast that this isn't the dynamic. And you've been pretty vocal this whole time about how that's, that's not how it's coming off. So yeah, I think that that's a very, 
Yeah, it's an interesting take, and it feels like somebody who didn't maybe watch the show that closely. You can you can be black and care about your friend and roommate. Like two things can be true at the same time, and and you don't have to be a trope about it. So, um, yeah. Um, my 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 ass is available to kiss with that criticism. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, so so you know Annie's now going on this accountability tour here. Where at some point after this conversation with Fran, she she started to realize, okay, maybe this is on me. This isn't just about the headline of the article. This is a broader issue. So she has a meeting with Amadi, Gabe, and Sheila. Uh, to talk about the article. It does not go well. Uh, she pushes back on the paper, giving them a platform at all. Gabe and Sheila kind of push back on her. This article is getting a ton of traction, so they're viewing it as a success. Mm-hmm. Um, Annie then tries to drag Amadi into it, um, which feels super unfair to me. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Amadi's been through enough. I just it felt like he was she you know how he was the the you were joking he was the you know unwilling black savior earlier in the episode it's like she's trying to put him in that position again like Amadi bail me out tell them that I'm your friend it's like the don't make him help you like you need to this is your battle you need to fight it yourself Amadi's too grown for this shit uh (laughs) and 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 he told her he told her this is you know give Amadi his flowers please like he's just uh, seriously he every episode every maybe not every episode but it where where i don't necessarily see fran as like the token black supporter like uh you know Mm. i think it in amadi's case it's very much kind of like it's not that he's being pigeonholed in that regard it's that annie kind of just forces him into this position and because he cares about her so deeply it's like he can't you know he he can't help but to be compelled to be there for his friend but you know at at this point he she's leaning on him entirely too much and the optics of it are just as bad as her writing this piece and he told her so he told her i mean you know what this whole, so all of summer 2020 was like oh we should listen to black people why is annie not listening to black people ah okay i'm screaming sorry and it's not like they're not the clo- like or the closest people in her life aren't but like she literally is like surrounded by black people in a very close pro- like people she loves like are you not yeah it's it's really disappointing to see that lack of understanding and so i did appreciate that gabe didn't really dig in and help her but he kind of defended himself and he he called out gabe changing the headline and gabe was like all right i'll take it and i don't know if we've ever seen gabe do that before but even in this moment gabe was like okay yeah no i shouldn't have i shouldn't have done that that was that was shitty i think he only did that because sheila was in the room and he wanted to make himself look mature totally totally but i was like all right good for you amadi like reading the situation you know only sticking your neck out kind of for yourself (sighs) in a good like in the way that like protect yourself amadi yes annie's annie's on her own and i think you know they kind of wrapped it up by saying to annie you know think about the ethics of the story you're writing before it comes out and for me that was like the crux of it right yeah is she's trying to clean up this mess after the fact but like ultimately she's got to accept that like she did really something shitty and now she has to deal with the repercussions of that. You're not going to fix it by writing another, you know, editorial about it. I will say I, I understand her initial motivation of not wanting to be boxed in as the body, body stuff writer. I get it. I get it. But it's not that she shouldn't branch out and explore. It's just that this was nobody's lane. (laughs) This (laughs) It's, you know, I'm realizing it's time and time again we see Annie really overcorrect when it comes to these issues of, like, weight and her insecurity. You know, when she went on that date in episode one, I think, with Will, and she just totally... Episode one, episode two? Two. Episode two, two, yeah. When she went on that date and was just a total... You know, that was an overreaction to to her own experiences with her body. And, um, you know, this is kind of similar in the sense that she was overreacting to that. And decided to not listen to anybody else's valid concerns about this article and said, no, this is about me. I'm only caring about Annie right now. 
And um, this is why therapy is great. And people should go to therapy to work in work through those issues that are um, causing you to make a lot of decisions in your life that are harmful. Mm. Um, so anyway, plug for therapy. Uh, 15% off your first month of better help with code loud women. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just manifesting it. Uh, just do go to therapy, guys. Um, cause you're, these are patterns. You know, there's only so many demons that you, you can, you can flush when burning sage. Sometimes you need a professional to intervene as well. That's very true. That's very true. So any, any last thoughts on that conversation at the, uh, at the thorn? <sighs> I get, I, okay. I think cause tw- Annie's one of the 29 or the 29. Like, she, oh yes, yes. Yeah. So she's like, she's. Your your frontal cortex doesn't fully develop until you're um, 25, I believe. So she's just a few years shy of being in her right mind, her literal right mind. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But like, you know, you grown. You you have yep. a job. You have a job, and it probably has benefits. And you're the the one of the few people whose hours didn't get cut. And you have a lot of artistic leeway. You know, it's time. It's time to be more conscientious and thoughtful. And you know what? I love the fact. Okay, I'm I'm very bothered by the production value of Annie and her parents communicating because this is yeah. this is a lot of we pre-recorded this energy because COVID. But um, I love the fact that she can't turn. She can't run to mommy and daddy right now. You grown, even if you're. The- you know, you grow. They did a nice job sort of laying that out where it's like she kept going to all these different people in her life. And for various reasons, it was like, no, you have to just sit with this and figure out how you want to move forward. My last thought on this mm-hmm. that I forgot to mention, or we, we alluded to it earlier, but Amadi objected to this article yes. from the get go. He said, this is a bad idea. I don't think this is a good idea. The fact that he is her boss and her close friend and a black man and she did not listen to what he was saying and she didn't internalize that at all that's where i'm like i don't have a lot of sympathy for this character right now because like you had somebody who is literally your professional superior as well as somebody you care about deeply who's telling you this is a bad idea based on my lived experiences that you you do not understand annie and he didn't and she didn't listen and i'm kind of like Okay, well, you know what? You kind of deserve to get canceled right now. She shouldn't have written about the pie. That's where she fucked up. Mm, it's true. You shouldn't. That have, was crazy. You could eat the pie in quiet. <laughs> that pie was just a disaster from start <laughs> to finish. Not, that pie was a bad omen. Oh my god. So we uh, we go back over to uh, Fran's house. Fran and Emily are cooking together. They're making a Nigerian recipe uh, from Fran's mom. So Fran's resisting calling her mom. And this is where I think we're getting into that that other piece of this dynamic where Fran also just doesn't really want to open up. She's not, this is a vulnerability thing. Em's pushing her to do it um, in a really sort of sweet, loving, gentle way. Um, and, and we get to see Fran's mom again, who we saw last season. And it's just a delightful human being. You know, I did love their dynamic i love their conversation i love the fact that she called her mom who's on a whole other continent and her mom helped her through a recipe you know that that i i i have yet to enjoy good jollof rice and a good friend of ours ama is ghanaian she's of ghanaian descent and there's like apparently beef between nigerian and ghanaian jollof rice (laughs) So oh, interesting. Apparently, apparently, I'm like, oh my god, you know, some, throwing some shots. So, um, if anyone wants to direct me to some like really good, you know, jollof rice, uh, either Nigerian or Ghanaian, so I can compare it to myself, please. <laughs> we'll do a side by side. Please direct me, because that's not something I grew up with. But you know, I, I've. I've had before, but from someone who is second generation and didn't know, like, the recipe. So it's, like, really cool that um, that Fran is learning, apparently, the recipe and sharing it with M. I loved that. It was, it was, there was so much sincerity. The, the, 
the way her mother lit up when she called and when she found out, oh, Fran is making our family's recipe. Like, you could tell that Fran has not given a shit about this in the past and mom is thrilled. I liked how they they did this scene where when, you know, uh, Fran's mother could see Em in the back and say, oh, someone's in the house or whatever, and then realize that Em was a romantic partner. And there was almost this silence for a moment where, like, as an audience member, as someone watching this, I, like, tensed up a little bit. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, what's, oh, what's the vibe? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But it, what, I was completely misreading it because, in reality, Fran's mom was just so, like, touched mm. that she, or at least this is how I read it, was that that pause was almost her being, like, oh my god I'm getting introduced finally to a partner and like Fran's letting me meet somebody she cares about and she's cooking my food and like you could see on her face the the seriousness of this relationship and like she was so excited and I don't know that was just kind of beautiful to watch I thought it was really sincere and sweet and like nuanced. yeah I will be um completely honest here I'm probably gonna get canceled but I've been canceled like six times on this podcast but um <laughs> you know as someone who's not continental African you know there's I, I could go on for days why I think African-American is a misnomer unless you actually you know know which country in Africa your parents are from mm. so as someone who's not a continental African but has read up on stories you know uh or, or at least like news articles and stuff um about certain goings on um, I had read here and there that there is, there are issues with like homosexuality in certain parts of the world. And so there was a part of me because it came up at Fran's cousin's wedding. There was a part of me that's like, oh no, oh no. So the relief I felt, the relief I felt when Fran's mom was just completely open and receptive to all things M and so happy that Fran found someone who she loves enough to share this, I, I guess, sacred ish recipe with, you know, you know, I think I, that that's what got me. Cause there, like, there was a moment where I, I held during that pause, like it was a very pregnant pause for me because I'm like, ah, is shrill the kind of show where they're going to address this kind of stuff? Mm. Maybe not. But in having certain, like, um, context in the back of my mind, it was like, oh, uh, uh, uh. it felt intentional. Like, that felt like it was done kind of on purpose. Mm. And um, I, I loved that because it just added to this, like, sweetness. And just you felt like this was a really big moment in Fran's life, in Fran's mother's relationship with her daughter, with M and Fran's relationship like this was just kind of a big step for everybody and it just felt like oh we're all lucky to be part of this mm. <laughs> like it's so nice that we get to watch this and it and it you know you don't see those situations always unfold in such a sort of positive way and you know when Fran and M are sitting together at the table after and eating and just having this you know sweet conversation about how well it went you could tell they both were feeling that yes that joy you feel when you open up to somebody and you kind of expose them to something personal in you yes it's we were experiencing that with them it was just really sweet and a joy to be a part of it was a, a truly beautiful moment and like i guess my last semi-problematic statement of the day um homophobia we'll see about that okay i know right i'm i'm like a seven for eight at the moment um but homophobia is definitely something that was imported via colonizers and the Christian religion, no disrespect, but like, you know, it was something that was definitely imported because I've read mm -hmm. up on like certain histories of areas, um, and, and certain, um, parts of Africa where there, a third gender existed for like centuries. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I need to research that. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it, where, um, same sex or, you know, um, non-heteronormative relationships existed, yeah. third, third genders and different gender identities existed. Um, you know, it's a lot of stuff that we have to question, right? Like why, why is, uh, why is it that African religions, for example, are seemed as like, are, are, are deemed demonic and unnatural mm -hmm. when we revere ancient Romans and Greeks who had multiple gods? You know, it's things that we have to question. What was imported via colonization? And, um, you know, what were people indoctrinated to believe? 
um, that is yeah. that, you know, how, how unnatural is it to just love another human being? It's not. Yeah. It's not at all. And so it was really nice to see them be accepted, their relationship be accepted in that way with, with, you know, all of this sort of cultural context and things like that. It just, um, it's just nice to see this kind of couple get to be happy. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see them experience joy. Oh, I just got, Um, I just got a little tear well up just thinking about their happiness. Oh my gosh. It's just nice to see. And I'm sure like, as we go through the season, there'll be some more, this I felt like was a little like challenge, but not a, not a bump in the road, Mm. but just sort of a nice, I don't know. It's nice to see them happy. Give us, give us the Fran and M spinoff, you cowards. Okay. All right. Please, please. (laughs) Um, we'll get, we'll get better help or uh, talk space to sponsor that podcast when we recap the (laughs) spinoff. Uh, so finally we, uh, we, we sync back up with, with Annie who's crying behind the thorn and she runs into Ryan and it's like one of those things that you see the train coming and you know, it's going to hit the car on the tracks and you can't get there in time to pull the car out and you know, something bad's about to happen, but you can't stop it. She's confiding in him about everything that's happened. We've seen her go to like every other person in her life and not find comfort and he gives her what she's seeking she gives he gives her that validation partially because he's a fucking idiot and doesn't understand the nuance of what's going on um and uh and she decides you know what let's uh let's get that booty you know it was interesting because you never you never see a character or a person at least a person in real life like go through the five stages of cancellation like you do like the five stages of grief (laughs) Right. So like, so like Annie is at the height of her bean dad status at this point. (laughs) And it has to be completely evident to the viewer and you'd think Annie, but definitely to the viewer that like everyone who's in their right mind and everyone who's in the right in this situation is not holding her hand through it because she's got to put, she's got to ovary up and put on the big girl panties. Okay. And, and take it, take it like a woman, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, the worst possible person is going to validate her for the worst possible thing. I am exhausted of Annie in this episode. I am exhausted of Ryan. I'm exhausted of Ryan's struggle-ass beard. I'm exhausted of the two of them existing in the same space. Like, if I've ever wanted to see social distance, it's between those two. <laughs> You know, I had um, I had a friend reach out to me about the show. I can't. I don't think I said this last episode. She reached out to me, and we were we were chatting about the first half of the season and, and what I've watched so far. And she's like, you know, I really. I, I said, you know, I was kind of defending Annie in the sense that I was like, it's she's kind of trash, but it's nice that we get to see representation of fat a fat woman who's not just playing a caricature, and that it's not just this idealized what like oh look at this amazing like the the matronly kind of you know perfect idealized just what a lovely plump woman anyway all that to say like i like that we have a rounded person and her point my friend's point which i thought was valid was we also might be treading into lena dunham girls territory and i have had a couple of moments where i have felt that as well and i think this episode depending on what she does with this and depending on if we see growth from this this there was some moments where I was like, oh, this has got a little Lena Dunham stank on it. Like mm. this is a little, a little bit of that sort of indignant, I can do no wrong kind of mm. white girl mentality. That that um, All, I think mm. that the difference between this show is and uh, the, my last the difference between this and Girls is that this is much more self aware and that all the other characters are calling her out and she is kind of trash, but we're not romanticizing it. But still, it's a little bit. She's a little bit trash. All disrespect to that bag of milk. Annie um, is, yeah, I said it. I don't care. <laughs> Annie, though, I think is a different portrayal of what we typically see of, you know, a plus-sized woman, especially on TV, because she gets, she's a little vain. She's a little vain. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, this is, this is the vanity in her that we don't necessarily see in larger women where we don't get to be that at least on tv like it doesn't you don't you don't deserve to be full of yourself and see yourself as like you know uh 
worthy of praise and yeah. abs, ab, ab, absol, absolute, what is the word? A, a, to be absolved. I, I swear. Oh, to, yes, yes. Yeah. To, I know English, right? I speak good sometimes. Um, yes, always, always. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, who the hell are you? Is it, is it us as the audience who's kind of looking at her like, who the hell are you to think so highly of yourself and your writing that you can be no wrong, that you can do no wrong? Um, but like, good on the writers for writing somebody who's, you know, a little, who's vain, but in a different package for once. I think that that's good. I think that like, as that's, that's good for us as a society to have those representations of fat women on TV as well. Like there, people are flawed in all different kinds of ways and getting to see somebody who's a little too cocky and thinks they're a little too, they're a little hot shit. You know what? Like she is hot shit and that's good for her. She takes it too far, but you know, you're totally correct in that we don't see that very often. We don't see that kind of behavior, that kind of character flaw in this package. And so I will take it. But she's not, so she's not vain enough to, to not entertain a Ryan. And I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. So we see her go back to Ryan's house. They're having sex. They're having a great time, which I'm like, Oh good. I guess like, what is that? I don't, I don't know that. I guess we've, you know, we've all kind of been there you go back and you're like, Oh, and then you're like, oh, you're, tra- you're a trash person. This is not a good idea. Ryan remembers he has a girlfriend that he had forgotten about. She basically gives him a full cutoff, tells him never to contact her again, and gives him a big fuck you on the way out the door. Oh, and what well, we didn't touch on the fact that she said a fuck you to Nick, which... She did. I know. I skimmed over some exposition because I knew this was going to be a long episode. But yes, we did see... Uh, we, we saw her... Nick, do the fucking gaslighting king move of, are you still mad at me? Or, or do you still hate me? Or whatever it was. And she gave him a big old fuck you. And so I appreciate that about Annie is that she never hesitates to tell someone to fuck off yeah. when they deserve it. What What do you want, Nicholas? What do you, you get all three syllables, sir. What do you want? <laughs> so uh, any final thoughts on this episode? I mean, it was, this was a, this was a heavy one, but I, they did a lot. They did a lot in 28 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, okay. Um, Amadi embodies this this particular meme, at least, you know, gender pronoun aside. Uh, I don't know if you had seen, like, especially after 2016, like, it's just, it had been circulating. Black women tried to warn you. Mm-hmm. Everybody tried to warn you, Annie. Everybody. Everybody. You, d- you did it to yourself and you gotta, you know, you gotta take it like a woman. I hope this is one of those formative experiences that she realizes, oh, I really fucked up really, really bad. And I need to rethink how I, I need to shift how I look at the world and how I look at issues like this. And I need to like really fundamentally reevaluate mm. how I think about these things and how I, I listen to my friends and how I listen to people who have different experiences than me. Um, I hope this is a, one of those shifting moments for a person. I I hope so too. I think, um, maybe I'm reading too deep or too far ahead into it. Um, but like I, you know, for the longest time too, within her relationships, particularly with, particularly with Fran and Amadi, I got a, a lot of a vibe of like, I don't see color from Annie. Mm -hmm. And which on some level I appreciate where you see the person but it's important to see color and it's important to see how color affects, you know, how color shapes and influences a person's life experience and worldview. Like I get it. This is in Portland. Okay. When I visited, I, our our listeners will remember the last time I visited Portland, the only other black person I saw was a portrait of Martin Luther King. I get it. I get it. Okay. I get it. It's not a lot. So like maybe you just default to not seeing color but it is important especially now that people are kind of like waking up to things that mm-hmm. you do and that you um you know take that as part of the person and if you really care you will listen when they're telling you hey maybe this is harmful <laughs> it's so hard to grasp because she she does have i don't see color energy big time and I don't know how somebody who 
is very, very close with two black people, like two, two of her closest people are having these experiences. And I'm like, are they just not? And I'm sure they're talking about it to her. And so I'm like, is she not listening? Is she not internalizing? How is she still, to your point, in 2020, after going through all of last summer, how did she not, and, and you know, uh, all of this, how does she not internalize that stuff more? And so I, I, I hope this will be a, uh, a impetus for change. How, how, do you, how do you live in Portland and see a wall of moms at a protest? Do the damn thing. Shout out to the moms. Yes. And think, oh yeah, I maybe maybe I should kind of get on board with seeing color as important as an important aspect of who this person is and how it has shaped their lives and why they're telling me what they're telling me. Mm. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah. That's just me though. And at the end of the day, Annie is a fictional character and uh the rest of us are not. So, um hopefully that all of our white listeners just in the same way I I, I feel like I this this episode had me doing prompted a lot of thinking and I hope it does the same um, for all of you guys as well because um, it's a lot and there's a lot of work to be done on everyone's on everyone's uh, on everyone's heart so mm. uh, good up I thought it was a pretty good episode there this is a couple couple of big ones right in a row shit yeah more Maureen by the way Maureen oh my God. is absolutely the hottest person in the office I don't care I don't care I don't care. I- I skimmed over Maureen too, and like she was the only. I you know I skimmed over Maureen. She's the only person that was there for Annie. She was the only one that was like, I'm gonna go like talk to my fairies and like do a chant for you or whatever. Like she was ride or die for Annie, and that was very that was very misguided but kind. And um, uh, Maureen, what a beautiful weirdo! I want to know. I want to know where she places her yoni crystal because I feel like that's not the location. Like. Right on up. <laughs> Maureen, savior. All right. I think that's, I think that's about enough. I think we got it. We, we're hitting almost an hour. Anytime we go twice as long as the episode, I'm like, oh, it was a good episode. Yeah. Guys, thank you for joining us again. We love you. Um, if you found us recently, thank you for finding us. If you've been with us through the beginning, um, I really appreciate it. It's been such a fun ride, and it's so much fun to be able to bring it home for the final season with you guys. So... If you have any opinions, uh, want to write about why Tookie should be canceled, please, uh, please. you can email loudwomenpod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to leave a little review on uh, your favorite podcast app that helps other Shrill fans find us, even though the show is um, ending soon, um, sad face, or I guess it's already over for some of you. Um, you know, we have really, we have kind of a long life on these podcasts. People find the show, you know, a year from now, two years from now. So, um, if we can help them find the podcast, so they have some, they have a way to help process it, you know, after the fact. I hate when I find a show many years later and I'm like, I want to process this, but no one wants to talk about, you know, studio, you know, they don't want to talk about these shows that were canceled like 30 years ago. It's fine. So leave a review so other people can find us. Um, you can find me on uh, social media at hi, this is Marissa. You can find Tookie at Tookie Monster, whether she wants you to or not. Please don't. <laughs> any any final words of wisdom? Tookie's doing stand-up again, guys. So if you're in the Boston area, oh, Lord. look her up. Go, Tookie, what's the website? TookieCavanaugh.com? Yes, first and last name.com. There is no you in Kavanaugh, goddammit. You will be bounced no. to some sort of corner on the internet that you don't want. <laughs> don't spell <laughs> it with you. You should find that. You should buy that URL and redirect it and be like, <laughs> not that Kavanaugh. <laughs> All right, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I almost just hung up the call with you instead of hanging up the phone, which was both been like fine, I guess. But, oh, uh, that was a